It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Monday, December 16th, 2019. On this day in 1989, federal judge Robert Vance opened a mail bomb delivered to his house. The explosion killed him instantly. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering Judge Vance's death after he opened a plain, unmarked package that contained a bomb. Let's go back to a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama on December 16, 1989 in the early afternoon. Temperatures weren't predicted to rise above freezing, and the strong gusts showed no signs of dying down. Days like this made Robert Vance all the more eager to sit by a crackling fire and enjoy the toasty warmth of his home. He'd already spent the morning handling chores outside. The wind had cut through his jacket, leaving his skin red and chilled. But the gusts hadn't disturbed the weak old snow, which had frozen into a hard pack. Each time Robert took a step, tiny clods broke off, trickled down inside his boots, and froze his feet. After a brutally cold morning, he was happy to shut himself indoors and warm up while he waited for lunch. Robert sipped his apple cider. His wife, Helen, had brewed it special. He could taste the cinnamon, cardamom, a hint of honey, and something else inscrutable. Helen had never revealed her secret ingredient, even after all these years of marriage. Whatever it was, it was good. Robert knocked back the final gulp, and just as he mused on whether it would be greedy to go for a refill, Helen pulled the mug from his hands and slipped back into the kitchen to pour more. Yes, Robert had a good life, and nothing made him appreciate his fortune quite like a warm home and a happy family. Plus, Christmas was coming, that reminded Robert, he hadn't checked the mail that day. December always meant a mass of cards and letters and even the occasional gift delivered by post. Even though he was only stepping outside for the briefest of moments, Robert pulled on his coat, scarf, gloves, and boots. After all, he'd only just defrosted his fingers and toes. He kept his chilly trek to the end of the driveway quick, and sure enough, he found a plethora of correspondences. A plain brown package, even laid on the ground, 
too big to fit in the mailbox. Robert cringed at the thought that the snow might have soaked through the cardboard, ruining the contents. Back in the warmth of his kitchen, Robert considered the mystery. He wasn't expecting anything in particular. The box wasn't decorated with wrapping paper or ribbons like a gift would be, and his address was typed out so he couldn't even examine the handwriting. No real clues as to who'd sent it. Robert remembered that a co-worker, Judge Lewis Morgan, had said something about sending him a gift, but usually Lewis would include a card or something outside the box. Robert had a wicked thought. Christmas was only nine days away, and he knew it would be rude to open his package early, but perhaps inside the box, he'd find some hint about who'd sent it. He reasoned that it would be impolite not to call the sender and let them know he'd received their present. So etiquette dictated that he had to see what was inside. Robert spent a few moments rifling through kitchen drawers before Helen produced scissors from the one place he hadn't looked. She also handed him a fresh cider before sitting at the table across from him. She was intrigued by the mystery, too. They shared a kiss before Robert began to cut through the packing tape. He lifted the cardboard flap from the top. It would be the last thing Robert ever did. Up next, the FBI investigates the mail bomber who killed Judge Robert Vance, launching a deadly campaign of terror. Now back to the story. On December 16, 1989, 58-year-old Judge Robert Vance received a mysterious, unmarked package in the mail. When he opened it, the bomb inside the box exploded, killing Robert and injuring his wife, Helen. In his time on the bench, Robert had made many enemies, thanks to his controversial rulings and political activism. He was an ardent Democrat who advocated for racial justice. He was at the forefront of Alabama's civil rights efforts in the 1960s, he even personally confronted segregationist George Wallace. Thanks to his track record, after Robert died in the deadly blast, police investigated a possible political angle. This theory became more credible on December 18th, when another activist, Savannah attorney Robert Robinson, was killed by a second mail bomb. Then, a short time later, Explosive packages were intercepted before they could be delivered to Atlanta's federal courthouse and Jacksonville's NAACP headquarters. The pattern was clear, but not enough to crack the case. The FBI thought they knew the bomber's motive, but had few clues to their identity. They pursued every lead they could find, no matter how thin it was. They identified the manufacturer who'd made the paint on the bomb's parts. They examined the printed mailing labels and traced the store where the typewriter had been purchased. They pulled saliva from the postage stamps and compared it with their own DNA database. 
but investigators didn't get their first major break in the case until an agent with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms realized that the bombs in the package looked familiar. In fact, he recognized their construction as nearly identical to a case he'd investigated 17 years before. Officials determined that the mail bombs had been sent by Walter Leroy Moody, who was arrested in 1972 for a different pipe bomb incident. He'd targeted a car dealership after his vehicle was repossessed, but accidentally injured his wife in a premature explosion. Moody served three years in federal prison for the crime. In the following decades, Moody came to nurse a deep resentment and hatred for the criminal justice system. When he had another legal mishap in the 1980s, Judge Robert Vance came onto Moody's radar and his hit list. The FBI's original theory that the bombings were racially motivated proved false. Instead, Moody targeted civil rights leaders in an effort to frame local hate groups for the bombings and throw investigators off his scent. On June 28, 1991, Moody was convicted of more than 70 separate criminal charges related to the bombings. He was sentenced to seven life terms, plus 400 years in prison. But in 1997, an Alabama judge determined that this ruling was too lenient. He sentenced Moody to death. 83-year-old Walter Moody died of a lethal injection on April 19, 2018. He approached his execution with resigned silence and refused to give any last words. But others have spoken up. Robert and Helen Vance's son, Robert Vance Jr., has given many interviews on his own grief and sense of loss after his father's death. But as deep as his grief felt, Robert Jr. didn't find any comfort in Moody's execution. He held moral objections to the death penalty, as did his father. Instead, He's urged the press and the public to remember Judge Vance not as a tragic victim of a deadly attack, but rather as a champion for equality and a force for good. Although Judge Robert Vance had no control over the way his life ended, his family continues to shape his legacy today. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. 
We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson.